Oh, welcome to Young Urban Zen on a Tuesday. My name is Kodo. Pleasure to be with you. Um, before we get started, I want to offer my usual reminder that my, my email is always in my name. So if you would like to send uh, feedback, questions, please do. And I will abstain from my usual normalizing of cameras on, cameras off, because that comes to bear right at the beginning of this discussion. So I've recently come into, uh, come to know about someone named Dr. Tiffany Jana, who, um, works in culture creation in doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work. She wrote this article in May of 2020 called Healing Diversity. And she offered what I found to be a very uh, clear declaration of self-care in respect to Zoom. And uh, it goes like this. She says, I no longer default to video. If video is not an absolute requirement, I'm calling in with voice. It allows me to be more naturally present and less awkwardly trapped in the frame and in my chair. She explains, I pace during calls. It helps me focus, process, and think. I clock an average of a mile per call. Losing that meditative ambulation is costing me cardio I can't spare and energy I need restored, not depleted. I know it feels antisocial, like I'm not in the camaraderie team spirit. Truth is, I have to look out for my own well-being first. And somehow I have more meetings these days than BC before COVID-19. Thanks for understanding. See you later. But maybe not on the next Zoom call. Clear declaration of Zoom self-care. And I think this, co this connects to our metta practice in several ways that I'll get into, but I want to comment about Dr. Jana's note that, to me, she's so clearly making a priority of caring for her well-being, caring for her own well-being. And this coming from someone who is deeply committed to the well-being of others. So these things are going hand in hand. It's not, it's not one or the other, actually, uh, in my interpretation of Dr. Dr. Tiffany Jana. And I think, I think maybe all of us can intuitive something about the importance of this in our own lives, and maybe more now than we have before. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how many of us haven't learned more about self-care and our devices and our jobs and our, our responsibilities in the last 12 months than the last however many years. And I appreciate this idea that caring, caring for this one, we can better take care of other people. And I think our metta practice is just like this. Our practice of uh, goodwill, loving kindness, we talked some about last week. Hmm. 
early on in this discussion, I wanted to bring up a couple of an, an image of an ideal and what I imagine a mind that is um, thoroughly freed through loving kindness would look like. Just full of goodwill and peace and this like sort of boundlessness when meeting other beings, meeting other people. Uh, just totally unencumbered. Whatever is said and whatever is done in a, in a meeting with another person, having this open heart that we cultivate through the practice of goodwill. And I imagine to myself, what, what good? How much good could be done in the world? How much good could I do in the world with that kind of unencumbered heart? It's a nice ideal, and um, it's certainly not where I'm practicing all the time, you know? Um, it's an ideal I appreciate. It remains aspirational, but the, the, the truth of the truth of the difficulty of living means to, to me, at least right now in my practice, that um, I'm not living in this ideal heart. I'm, pra I'm practicing with um, I'm practicing with the challenges of relationships and work and sadness and heartbreak and anger and frustration. So, Then I think about it socially, and Suzuki Roshi said, you don't know how hard it is to love some people. I don't know if that rings true for any of you. I know that feeling. So what I want to talk about tonight, taking into account that um, there are these beautiful ideals there are these beautiful aspirations, and um, it's possible that we're not all always living in them. So I want to talk about developing goodwill, developing metta, as concentric circles of care. Concentric circles of care and building capacity to address what's difficult while not abandoning ourselves. not abandoning ourselves. Uh, I've put this in the form of some suggested do's and don'ts for metta practice, uh, for the maturing, the do's and don'ts for maturing the practice of goodwill. I hope we'll pick up some skillful approaches along the way. And then time allowing, uh, I'm hoping we'll do something a little bit different toward the end, uh, which is do some different practices together and sort of move back and forth between practice and large group discussion. So actually we can, we can get a sense of how the practice is work, or working for people or hear the challenges or um, anything else. So to circle back to doc, Dr. Jana, her bio reads like a superhero. Um, international speaker, author, uh, DEIA culture creator. She self-identifies as a non-binary blue-haired maverick. Um, 
I think in the world of Meta, there's a similar superhero. Um, I don't know if this is going to show up backwards. It may, but her name is Deepama. I think she is the superhero of loving kindness in, in my mind. Uh, Deepama means mother of light. And I feel, a, I feel some affinity with Deepama, not only for her story, but my, my Dharma name also, Ko, means light. So I, I have that little connection with her. Someone once asked, a, a really well-known teacher now, so moved by Deepama and her way of being. Apparently there's a, there's a really cute story about Deepama um, uh, washing her grandchild's um, rubber ducky and doing it with so much care and attention that it was actually inspiring. I mean, what would it take? What would, a, what would someone have to show? How would they have to show up for that to be an inspiration, you know? Um, but it was. But, so anyway, um, this now well-known teacher, so impressed by Deepama's way and her, her freedom and love, said, Deepama, what's in your mind? What's your mind like? And super superhero Deepama replies with just three words. She says, concentration, loving kindness, and peace. Concentration, loving kindness, and peace. And I think, I think just like Dr. Jana's bio, Deepama mm -hmm. developed these skills bit by bit. Um, there's certainly some, uh, Deepama is said to have had remarkable talents when it came to meditative cultivation, but it's also that she developed her, developed her skills bit by bit and was very fortunate in the circumstances in which she, she got to practice. So that brings me to my first, my first one of the don'ts, first one of the don'ts of maturing metta, and that it is don't start as chairman of the board, but build your skills. And what I mean by this in terms of metta is to develop the skills of the craft so that you can do the most good. Um, in a very specific way, usually there's an arc of metta practice where you start with and uh, you start with someone who's quite easy, uh, yourself, yourself as a young person, or what is sometimes called kitten practice where you imagine a kitten and feel the warm and fuzzy feeling in your heart as the basis for the cultivation of goodwill. We don't start as the chairman of the board. We build our skills with the kitten. We don't go directly to the difficult person right away, the most difficult person in our lives, and try to build goodwill in relationship to them in our mind right away. We start where it's easy, with kitten practice. And there's a principle that this illustrates uh, from this book that I've been talking about quite a bit, the Ittivutika. And the principle is, if you feel goodwill, if you feel goodwill for even one being, that you become skilled from that. If you feel goodwill for even one being, you become skilled from that. And to me, what that means, put another way, Learning how, to, learning how to love one thing 
then we learn how. We learn the how of love. We develop in the, the, the practice reveals the process. We develop our skills in loving where it's easy and then, then apply it where it's difficult. Um, so in this sense, we can, we can build this skill. We don't have to start from the top. The first of the do's, the do's of maturing goodwill practice. Do plant roots of goodness right in the center of your concentric circles. This, uh, this expression, roots of goodness, comes from a really old text called the Flower Ornament Scripture, the Flower Ornament Scripture. And they talk about planting your roots of goodness so that, so that your a tree will grow deep, it will grow firm and tall, and it will flower. Uh, so you can imagine planting your roots of goodness as, as uh, becoming, becoming a broad flowering tree in the spring that offers shade to beings. What is relevant for metta practice, in addition to the idea of of doing wholesome, beautiful deeds to plant roots of goodness is actually the question, what kind of shade we can offer? What kind of shade do we offer under this tree? When someone come, comes into our, our circle of earth under our, under our tree, in terms of metta, in terms of goodwill, goodwill is, goodwill is the, it's the basis for the development of these other beautiful qualities of the heart. So when metta, when goodwill meets the happiness of another, what arises is joy, joy at the happiness of another. And this is a form of shade that our tree can offer. Maybe closer to the metaphor of offering shade, when our goodwill meets the suffering of another, karuna, compassion, is the heart's natural response. Our wish for goodwill in their time of suffering can be, the, can be a healing shade, just a place of rest, a respite. And of course we know this isn't only external. For ourselves, when our goodwill meets our well-being and happiness, joy, joy at our own well-being. When our goodwill meets our own suffering, self-compassion. So planting roots of goodness and offering shade. Another do for the maturing of metta, do work from the center. Kind of like not trying to be the chair of the board right away but slightly different. What I mean by do work from the center is don't abandon yourself and don't abandon others, but don't abandon yourself. There's this verse from the Dhammapada, other great book, that uh, chapter 12, and it goes like this. 
Oh, and I'm sorry, before I read it, I want to say, when I read this for the first time, I literally stopped and went, what? Because it did not fit my idea of what it, of my preconception of what the Dharma was. But in relationship to don't abandon yourself. And it was, these were the words in Gill's translation. If one knew oneself to be precious, one would guard oneself with care. And later in the chapter, don't give up your own welfare for the sake of others' welfare, however great. Clear, but clearly know your own welfare and be intent on the highest good. Does that give any of you pause? It at least, to me, it at least complexifies the notion of, uh, I, I had this idea that being in service to others was like a complete self-abnegation. Uh, that it really meant my, my needs are going to be way over here. And um, this, uh, this, the, the needs of this other person are the most important thing always. But actually, I think that was, um, that was a little too simple of a view. As I studied this more and I, and I thought about it more, and found, a, found similar teachings in other suttas, what I found the Buddha to be discussing over and over, the thing he says, do abandon this, don't abandon this. Do abandon unskillful, harmful qualities in yourself. Um, abandon them, not like, um, not in a, an abusive way, but abandon them like you would abandon, we say abandon ship. It's going down, so better get off. So do abandon this. Don't abandon each other, the Buddha teaches. And he teaches this in several ways. And one of them that I think come, comes to bear on the practice of metta, on the practice of goodwill, is delighting in concord. Delighting in concord, which um, I looked into, and it comes from the... Comes from the Latin for of the same mind, concord. And I also like the resonance with the, the, the sound, the musical chord. And I think this, and obviously in, in making a musical chord, you can't make it with one string. Several strings, if we're on a guitar and we're making a chord, several notes come together to make a chord. You can't abandon any of them and still have the chord play. For that harmony in that sense, it takes all of us. So don't abandon yourself. Don't abandon others. So rather than a sort of self-abandonment that I had, this idea I had picked up earlier in my practice, rather working from the center, it's that sort of self-care. It's knowing when it's time to turn the video off. It's... Um, it's the 12 months of self-care training that many of us have just gone through. It's knowing that when we're depleted, we can't fully show up. These aren't, these aren't new or novel lessons for any of us. This is like, this is the common knowledge. This is the air we breathe now. But this is what I mean by work from the center. Then as we, as we refine the practice of goodwill, 
in a way that we're going to talk about when we do some, some practices, in particular something called radiating metta, radiating goodwill. Working from the center also doesn't mean pushing from the center. Um, I'll unpack this more, yeah, with the, the radiating metta, but with, just to be brief about it, say I've, I've taken very good care, my heart is starting to feel open, uh, and I want to do good in the world with this loving kindness. And so I, like, take all the force that I have and I, like, push it out into the world and, like, I feel my metta, I'm pushing so hard. And that is uh, maybe counterproductive. And we'll talk about a different technique that actually relates to the relates to the, the goodwill that you generate, the warmth of the heart, as being like a light or a lamp. And instead of pushing, we just draw back a curtain and let it shine. And draw back a curtain and let it shine. I suspect we'll we'll hear about some of the challenges of working with with uh, metta as we as we discuss together. I just want to maybe name one of the challenges for me before before we we go too far into the practice is just how tenderized I feel right now. Um, I don't I don't know if this is this is the same for you, but um, I'm in meetings and. It just wells up, you know. We're holding a lot, or I read the news and I see a I see a photo, and I'm just like, I'm brought to tears. I have to st I put my phone down and I stop reading the Times, and um, I you know I, I have to say, oh, that's an that's enough for now. Let me take care of this one, but it's a tender time, so. While we're, while we're either learning this practice or maturing this practice of goodwill, this sort of thing, this sort of response calls up in me a reminder for gentleness, for care, uh, for tenderness, and, and a respect for this sort of, the, the, the heart matures at its own speed as we do this sort of cultivation. So in all the do's and don'ts of maturing metta, these are just a handful. And as we develop these sort of concentric circles of care, deepening deepening the, the goodness that's available inside and outside. To know, that, to know that metta practice, it's a practice of intention, so it's not always going to be beautiful, and it's not always going to feel good, but intending the well-being of others, do, practicing that while it's difficult, helps us develop the skills to love when it's difficult. And when, you know, when is it more important than that? And may, may our time together, may our discussion of the Dharma, may our practice of the Dharma, 
this ongoing curiosity in the community we cultivate. Plant deep roots of goodness for each of us that we then turn over without reservation for the benefit of others in our lives. May everyone everywhere benefit. Thank you so much.